Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah.
I know they're a rival of mine. I know that we go back and forth year after year, but not at a, an event where everybody's trying to enjoy themselves. And knowing that <laughs> that side of town in Chicago is historically known throughout the country is one thing. But at a baseball game, whatever could have been happening, I, I want to hear more details on the situation, but it, it's just stunning at a baseball game that people's lives are in jeopardy, even out there in one of the more coldest, wickedest parts of a city in America. Um, praying for your health and, and peace at the same time, people out there in Chicago, that's for sure. Um, we do have Michael Harvey in the building. Mike, welcome to the brush. How are you feeling this morning? Man, I'm good. It's always a pleasure to be alongside you to do this on Sunday mornings. But, yeah, man, like, definitely praying for the health of those uh, women in Chicago. Uh, that's a sad thing, man. You you get out, spend your hard-earned money to go enjoy a baseball game, and, you know, that's supposed to be a safe zone. So, yeah, prayers up. Okay, first and foremost, I want to get into, like, the, the nicks and crannies of things because there's a lot of stuff to jump into. Like I said, it's the 27th of August, and, boy, it is heating up all across the board. At least the major sports are all on display from FIBA basketball and uh, the noise that Canada's making uh, to USA might have, and that be a competition. Also, uh, with Luca going crazy in the Dominican Republic, also has Cat going crazy down there too. So this year has been very interesting and feeble as well. Um, of course, football is upon us. The I think in two days. So Tuesday is the 53-man cut. I'm, well, the 53-man roster has to be announced, and they got to cut it from 90 to 53. And just speaking from players on the team that I support compared to a lot of other teams and looking at some some of the situations that just happened last minute with Trey Lance going to the Cowboys and people in Dallas are kind of like up in arms about losing Will Greer, the backup quarterback too. So there's a lot to get into. I'm going to try my best to kick this thing off. But the first thing first, I want to get the boxing situation out the way. Alexander Usyk is probably one of the best heavyweights in the world, forget just the division or whatever, one of the best in the world. I really want to see him fight like Tyson Fury because these two are like dominating boxing. Tyson Fury's up and down and who he wants to fight. He's fighting Francis Ngannou. I don't even really know if that's a real boxing match, but got to give a consideration that this guy's a, a beast in his own right in a UFC or MMA situation, but he wants to fight Tyson Fury. So I think it's a big money draw, but nevertheless, I want to see Usyk fight. Fury, Usyk had a fight last night up against Daniel Dubois and uh, ended up taking care of him by the ninth round. The situation that you're hearing across the globe is the low blow that the refs considered uh, Dubois hit Usyk with. If you look at this punch, there is no way that this is a low blow. It was definitely to the stomach, and uh, Usyk would have lost this fight. He could not get up. It was one of those uh, Bernard Hopkins, Oscar De La Hoya, perfect, you know, body shot that dropped him, and he was not ready for it. And after that, it was like it woke him up because he knew he could have lost the fight, and he took care of business up against Dubois. But I applaud Dubois. I've been watching him uh, train for this fight, and all of the training that he was doing, he was preparing to throw body blows, and it worked. And um, it got taken away from him, and sad enough, Usyk was on the canvas for a while. He was not up. He was he was knocked out. He was knocked out. He would have lost all of his belts. 
I feel like they're protecting his tail for real. Um, I don't know if they – I, I, I really don't want to get into that, but I can. I, I, you know, calling it fixed or whatever, but the way that he got hit – there, there's no way that that was a low blow. It wasn't like he lifted his shorts up or anything. He hit him right on the belt, right on the belt in the stomach. And um, this is the shot that everybody's hearing across the globe. And um, unfortunately, he was given more than the five minutes. He was actually given more than the five minutes. The ref said, you need more time after the five. and gave him more time in a boxing match. And he regained his strength. And, and he's, he's a, you know, he'll pick you apart. So that's what he ended up doing to Dubois later on in the fight. But at that point in time, Dubois won that fight. He should be carrying all of those belts home with him. Um, it's a sad situation that the, I guess the ref didn't, he had to see this. The ref is looking at everything. There's no way that you missed that. But, Mike, your thoughts on the Usyk Dubois fight? Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I think the Usyk's the better fighter. Uh, but once again, you get hit with a shot like that and can't get up, fight should be over. You know, he came back and picked him apart. It's real easy for some people to say, well, he could have just landed that shot again. Well, I mean, it's not like he's going to stand there and let you. It's not easy to do. If you hit a shot like that, you should be rewarded. So, I mean, it's... I hate to see uh, Dubois' work go for naught. I hate to see this this happen. Uh, You know, boxing has over the years, over the last several years, especially with sometimes bad judges calls and whatever else is faced its share of controversy. Uh, And I don't think that this helps um, as far as that goes. I mean, I'm still going to watch the sweet science and, and, and see what happens in the future, but um, uh, we'll see. I mean, Ngannou is going to get his payday and then Tyson Fury will go back to fighting actual boxers again. Uh, Hopefully, and and I want to see Yusef and and Fury hook it up, but I feel like Dubois was robbed, and and I hate to see that. Uh, I I think Yusef is probably, like I said, though, probably the more skilled fighter, but it, it's just sad to see uh, a guy hit a shot like that and and not get the victory. The worst thing to watch about the heavyweight division is um, I hate to call these guys out because they're all a monsters in their own right. They're all staying away from each other. Like, all of y'all are staying away from each other? So, Yusuf is the only one that fought um, Joshua, right? But nobody, Joshua and Deontay have never fought. Uh, Fury and Deontay fought. Uh, but it's like Yusuf and Fury ain't fighting. Like, why is it so much distance from these guys fighting like this? Like, this is just puzzling that you got all these other divisions finally clashing heads. You got Crawford and Spence that had that fight. You know, you got Canelo and, and Charlo about to fight. Like, these guys know that they're in the division to make money. Like, and not to just make this a total money thing, but that's what it's all about. You're fighting for your finances at the end of the day. But um, the people, like, the fans want to see these fights go down. It's like, when do you guys want to fight? Do you guys Are you really going to stretch this out to all of you are near 40 to try to fight and look like, you know, like George Foreman and them, like at least George still had it. At least George could throw a bomb and lay you out. But and that, that's what the heavyweight division really is. Is a you know one punch can stop the fight. But for all of you guys that have the success, for you guys to stay so so distant, and for Usyk not to be able to fight Fury at all and have all of those belts, like 
I, I I just don't get it. Um, I'm puzzled on the way that this is going down in the heavyweight division. But they need a spark because the heavyweight division is, to me, <laughs> on the back burner compared to all the other divisions, uh, especially welterweight and middleweight. Like these guys, there's there's big names there that they are actually fighting. So, to me, heavyweight, y'all got to step y'all game up. But to me, you guys are avoiding each other for far too long. Y'all got to start making these bomb fights happen. At least Tyson Fury, at least he fought Deontay three times. I give him that type of credit. But why why you can't fight Fury? Why 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 are these fights not happening? And it's crazy to me because. People get caught so much on negotiation where I should get 70 versus 30 or 60, 40 or whatever. People get so caught up on these negotiations. And I think what a lot of people fail to realize, you know, it gets so much caught up in pride. But to your point, especially with a sport that is as dangerous as this, uh, you need to make your money. You need to make as much money as you can, as quick as you can in the sport, because you just you just never know what's going to come next, uh, and so you need to set yourself up uh, for the best possible future that you can. You know what I mean? And so, I I think that some of this has to do with you know agents and managers and whatever else kind of mucking it up and not wanting to you know do business with this guy or that guy and whatever else. But at the end of the day, uh, these fights need to be booked and these guys need to be need to get these paydays, man, and stack this paper. Okay, so um, it's been pretty interesting, Sports City. Like I said, uh, the football season is come well coming to a beginning. I was going to say it's coming to an end, but at least that's the preseason. The preseason coming to an end. But let me get into this baseball situation because um, it is getting pretty hairy, to say the least bit. Okay, so um, – bear with me because it's loading. Okay, so in the AL East, we have the Baltimore Orioles who are 81-48, leading the division. The Tampa Bay Rays are 79-52, three games back. The Blue Jays are 71-59, 10.5 back. The Boston Red Sox are 69-61, 12.5 back. And the New York Yankees are 62-67, and 19 games back. Interesting enough, I was watching the Blue Jays game yesterday and, boy, was that an interesting game. Reason why, because, you know, I'm a central guy. They played the Guardians, and um, they ended up beating the Guardians. And just hearing the sportscast saying Toronto may have an outside chance to get one of those wild card spots. The way that they play, the offense that they do have, it'd be interesting to see if Toronto does get into the wild card and cause damage because, boy, they can hurt a pitching staff the way that that lineup is set up from Bichette to Guerrero. Um Bringer, they they have a ton of guys up there that can make it happen. The way they took care of Cleveland yesterday, very impressive to say the least. But um, again, Tampa's right in the rear view of Baltimore. Baltimore's actually got a big injury that just happened to them as well. Um, Boston trying to steer the ship as best as they can. I don't think they can get into it. They're close enough to Toronto though, so they probably can make some things happen. Uh, but the Yankees, nevertheless, these guys are five games under five hundred. This is totally stunning. They were on a Nine-game losing streak. They broke that up and ended up losing again yesterday. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the AL East? The sun's shining bright and the Yankees are falling. Uh, listen, man, uh, it never hurts my feelings to see the Yankees struggle first time in 
30 years, they're going to have a losing season. I think 1992 was the last one. So, uh, hey, man, like, listen, uh, I'll take that. Uh, but looking at the rest of this division, you know, the, the people said the Red Sox had no talent. Uh, this team is in there just a couple games, uh, two and a half back of Toronto right now. But Toronto got an uphill battle right now because of how Seattle's been surging the West, and then we'll get to them in a minute. But Toronto's still got a shot at the playoffs. This offense, when it's going right, is still really, really good. Uh, the pitching has been better than than I thought. The offense needs to be a little bit more consistent. Uh, but having Bouchette back really, really helps that team a lot. Uh, you know, he was out for a period of time. And they subsequently let go of the guy <laughs> that was uh, that they brought in from St. Louis to play shortstop until they got him back. But you got Bouchette back in the lineup. Uh, Springer appears to be shaking it off. Where Whit Merrifield's been good. Uh, this Toronto team is is definitely is definitely talented. Uh, at the end of the day, the question is, can we get three teams from the East in the playoffs? Uh, we visit that in a little while, but Felix and uh, Felix Bautista going out for Toronto definitely kind of hurts them. Uh, the kid that they got from the Twins in the back of the bullpen is probably going to have some safe chances for them uh, in the meantime. But it looks like no matter what pitching they're struggling with or whatever, with both of these teams, Tampa and Toronto, both have big pitching questions. I mean, I'm sorry, Tampa and Baltimore both have big pitching questions. But it, it looks like that Toronto hasn't been able to capitalize on that yet. They still you know, have a ways to go to try to creep back into this, and I, I don't think they're going to get into the division race. The question is just can they grab a wild card. So, it's going to be interesting to see, but that's what we got in this division. Tampa only three games out, so uh, we'll see if they can, can climb back in. But uh, still probably the, the best division in baseball, but uh, the the sudden slide by the Yankees definitely tarnishes that a little bit. Uh, we will see. Um, I don't know. I'm actually shaky about the Orioles. I don't know if they can hang on to this lead. Um I think Tampa may get back into this and make this interesting as September is just a few days away, and they will be racing to see who, who could at least have the overall number one seed in the AL. This is going to be very interesting to see who gets it. Um, I don't think we get three teams out of the AL East. I think Tampa Bay will be there. Toronto has to fight and claw to get there. Um, we'll get – as a matter of fact, I'll go right to it. Um, the AL West, this is a freaking <laughs> – a pig pen. Um, the Texas Rangers a week ago were one of the hottest teams in baseball. They had an eight-game winning streak going on. Everybody was like, what's going to happen now? Are the Rangers due to get their championship, so on and so forth? These guys were on an eight-game losing streak as of last night. They broke it just yesterday in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So of course, you know I had to see this happen right in front of me, um, in which that game was going tooth and nail until the bullpen let that thing go. They let Joe Ryan get in. I'm going to get all into that later. Let me get out of that Twins talk because I can do it forever. But the Rangers are now tied for first place because before the end of that game, Seattle climbed their way to first place. Seattle was now 73 and 56. They're both tied. Um, Houston is in second. 
73 and 58 because they played more games, but they have more losses. They're a game back. The Angels are 63 and 67, 10 and a half back, and the Oakland A's are eliminated. 38 and 92, 35 and a half games back. Uh, I feel sorry for everyone out there in Oakland watching their team get ready to go a state away to Nevada. Nevada's pulling all of the talent. But um, nevertheless, like I was mentioning, Houston could get back into this thing. I think Houston and Seattle, all three of those teams are making the playoffs. From Texas, Seattle, and Houston, those three teams are making the playoffs. Like, However, that jumps around. So it's going to be Tampa Bay, Seattle, Houston, or Texas. However, who wants to get first place or get there? The other two <laughs> fight it out for, you know, six and seven in the wild card. But this this is where it's at. I, this is baseball at its finest. Uh, for the run that Seattle has gone on, uh, for Julio Rodriguez, this guy is a freaking monster out of nowhere. Um, they are all getting it done. And, and Houston's finally putting it together and trying to get healthy at the same time, too. And uh, they don't forget these guys just won the World Series, so they got to defend their crown also. So this is a very interesting division. I think the AL West has the three teams that get into the postseason. But, uh, Mike, your thoughts on the AL West? I agree with you, actually. I think that three teams from this division are going to make the playoffs. Right now, you got three teams all within one game. Uh, this is the most exciting, by far, uh, pennant race to watch. Now, there's a couple other divisions, like we talked about three in the AL East, and so there's a couple other races. But this is by far the most interesting one. It's interesting. Julio Rodriguez, you know, rookie of the year last year, struggled early in the season, but, like, listen, uh, that <laughs> he has come alive uh, for sure over the last month. This team has been extremely hot. As I said before, they – did this second half of the season last year. It just took them a little longer to get started on that run this season. But they have made that climb to first place. We might as well say that the Angels are eliminated too, especially with the news that came out this week that Otani's done on the mound uh, for the rest of this year and Trout's back on the DL. So uh, at the end of the day, to me, TP, uh, can Boston creep back in? Maybe. Um, can they catch Toronto? Yeah, that's a possibility too. But when I look at the American League, I look at basically seven teams competing for those six spots, right? So you got uh, the three teams out of the central with Toronto sitting a couple games back of any of these teams in the in the West. And to me, it's the three teams in the West, the three teams in the East, and the Twins all competing for those seven playoff spots. And I I believe right now, too, uh, barring some crazy slump, but Texas has got to be careful. Uh, you know, they they hit that side. They were able to kind of bounce back last night. But one more losing streak like that with the way these other two teams are playing in this division, uh, they, they could end up missing it all together. I mean, I don't think that they will. But it's possible. I mean, you you look at this, and all three of these teams would have 73 wins, and Toronto's sitting at 71, and Boston at 69. Probably a little bit too far back for Boston to climb, but you could say that they're in there and, and say that's an eighth team. But uh, it's going to take a it's going to take a slide from one of these teams in the West, I think, to be left out. But uh, Toronto's still there, uh, lurking in the rear view. So. Uh, we will see, but the the that West is is top heavy, 
and all three of those teams, for different reasons, could be a, a serious problem, matchup problem in October. So uh, it's impressive to see what Seattle's been able to do to get back into this thing because they were kind of forgotten about for the first three-plus months. Uh, and so all three of these teams right there, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch over the next month. We will see how this pans out, and you are right, Toronto is there, but uh, the way that these three teams are playing, when do they slow down? I think Texas is the only one that has the question mark right now, and they're in the lead of the division right now after taking the skid, unless they really do start continuing to lose at this point in time. That's the one thing that they do have to worry about, that they can't continue to trend. They have to pick it to, you know, pick it up at this point in time, but they're in a series up against my twins, so they got to lose. <laughs> they got to lose today. We're in a four-game series, won the first two and lost yesterday. I, I don't want to see them split this series. The Twins have to, like, try to regain their, their stride as best as they can because they actually were playing real decent as of late. Speaking of which, let me go to the AL Central. So the AL Central. Hey, real quick, BNTP, before you hit the Central. Uh, sorry, but uh, I think one of the big keys with Texas, too, is that kid Josh Young. Uh, the rookie was having a really good year, had the thumb injury. And it's come out over the last couple of weeks that even as a young rookie that he has definitely kind of been, like, an emotional leader of sorts for this team. So I think it's important to get him back if they can. Okay, going over the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins are sitting at 67 and 63, leading the division. The Guardians are 61 and 69, six games back. The Detroit Tigers are 59 and 70, seven, seven and a half games back. The Chicago White Sox, 51 and 79, 16 games back. Kansas City is 41 and 90, 26 and a half games back. Chicago, I don't, I don't even know what to say to y'all. Like, let alone like, you know, it's baseball, and I love the competition. I love the back and forth. But to hear that situation go down out there, that's incredible. That is going that far out there from Tim Anderson and his melee to now people's safety at a baseball game. That's a whole other thing, but. Chicago, look, I, I guess look on to a brighter future, especially in the next year. I wonder what happens with all of the stuff that happened in that front office from getting rid of Ken Williams and, and staff. And um, I don't think Anderson will be there long either, especially with all of the people that left this year and had so much to say about the White Sox themselves. But um, the interesting thing about the teams here, Cleveland is struggling to find their stride, which to me, I love it, but I know it can happen. You know, it's, it's September coming. Everybody's going to be playing their best baseball. Detroit has actually made this interesting to at least try to catch Cleveland at this point in time. They're seven and a half back, but a game and a half behind Cleveland. So now Cleveland has two things to worry about to try to catch first and worry about Detroit clipping them too for the second spot. And Minnesota, the one thing about the Twins, and y'all know this is my team, I love them, one word and one word only one word and it's called consistency like that consistency has to be there um their struggles i gotta say this i'm sorry a a lot of people love to give this guy credit i won't i will not um rocco baldelli will continue to shoot these guys in the foot when he can i don't know what this is with him but it's just it's stunning how he can let a game go when somebody's doing well like okay so Joe Ryan gave up the two runs. This game is going good. Joe Ryan started to shut that whole team down. They take him out, and then they just tattooed the bullpen. And this bullpen is pitching every day. Like, none of these guys get time to rest, none of them. 
it's like that's the setup. Like whoever's the starter, he pitches them for the first six, maybe seven, eight, nine. You know, they, he puts a, a reliever in. Like it, it has to be Pagan or Jax or or Floro. Somebody has to come in. It's like no, if this guy is pitching, let him pitch a gym. Like let's see if they can get there. Joe Ryan said he wanted to force issue to get complete games. You're not even letting them get complete games. Like these guys are losing. The Twins are losing games because the bullpen is giving up late runs or. You're putting in, um, and like last night, he put in Duran before Jack. Griffin Jack started getting bombed on. This this guy, I don't know what he what what Griffin Jack knows about the Baldelli family or Target or management. They continue to pitch this guy, and he'll give up a big hit run. And he'll tie a game up when we're up. It's like let him go to an assignment and refine himself. They they really trying to make him figure himself out now and he's getting tattooed. No, you you trying to hang on to a division and remain consistent. I, I don't get it. Um but the you know the plus side for the twins is don't let Max Kepler go. <laughs> Please do not let this dude go. This guy is back. He is seeing the ball crazy. Um Edward Julian the second baseman um Sometimes he bothers me because he's always a first-pitch swinger. There's a lot of players like this on the Twins that swing, swing at the first pitch from him to Walner, one of my favorite players on the team is Matt Walner. But every time they get up to the plate, you know it could be a strike because these guys are swinging for the fences. Like, if they don't connect, there's a strike. And it's like you're already down to one. But the consistency is the one thing I'm looking at, especially with the pitching staff. Like, um, Sonny trying to find himself. Pablo finally got tattooed out of one game, but – uh. He was pitching marvelous out of the past couple of games, too. He had a couple of scoreless innings. I think it was 19 straight scoreless innings. Um, but he ended up getting beat up on the other day. But the Twins were able to pull it together and get that game also. But um, the consistency has to remain there. Um, he has to believe more into this team instead of trying to uh, be analytical and Googling this thing out and pulling a pitcher out when he's doing okay. It's not like he's getting rocked or he has bases loaded and he walked a whole bunch of guys. The way that they started giving up runs, Griffin Jacks walked three straight people in the ninth. In the ninth, walked in a run. It was like, wait, what? Like, y'all had Duran in there and the A's and pulled them to put Jacks in there. And this, that's why I do not get this. There's no consistency at all. Rocco can mess this thing up if he don't use his freaking brain. But nevertheless, like I said, I could do this all day long. Mike, your thoughts on the AL Central at this point in time? I mean, I think the Twins are in good shape as far as the division goes. Uh, you know, they're they're holding their own against other playoff teams, too. I feel like sometimes this is a team that plays down to its uh, competition sometimes, too, uh, and, and loses games that they shouldn't. Uh, that being said, I think the, the bigger question is, can Detroit catch Cleveland? Because Cleveland ain't catching Minnesota. Not without... McKenzie, not without Bieber, uh, you know, not without their main guns and their starting rotation. Some of these young guys are are getting a chance to pitch and, and learn at the major league level, and that'll probably be good for them in future seasons because they'll help fill out the back of that rotation. Uh, Cleveland has grabbed some some guys off the scrap heap, like Ramon Lariano, who was in Oakland. They've got Eric Haas, who was in Detroit. They've they snagged a few different guys to try to, you know, help them out a little bit offensively. But Cleveland's just not there. Uh, they they don't have it this year. Uh, I think they will be heard from again next season, especially if they can get their 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 main pitchers back healthy. But 
I think, in my mind, I can write Cleveland off. Uh, and the question is just can Detroit catch him? Uh, Detroit is third place team about where I sort of expected them to be as far as record wise this year. I didn't know if that would be good enough for third or fourth place in that division, but they're about where I expected them to be. Uh, still a lot of a lot of young kids starting to mature some, so I think the future is fairly bright in Detroit, um, Chicago. Listen, I knew they were going to have to tear some things down and figure some things out. And I said this a couple of times on this network. I'm glad that Rick Hahn as general manager is not getting the opportunity to be the architect of that rebuild. Uh, you know, they won the world series in 2005. Ken Williams has been there since then, even before then. And they really have not sniffed uh, being a contender in the last decade plus, to be quite honest with you. Uh, they've been there in a few races, but just never really been able to, To put it together. So, uh, the, you know, at the end of the day, this White Sox team has got to completely reboot. They're not going to run the manager off because this was just his first year. Uh, but if you don't see a, a dramatic uptick next year, then I think that they will because the new front office will want to bring in their own guy. So, uh, we'll see, but. There's definitely a lot of things to still be figured out in Chicago. I, I believe they keep Luis Robert. I believe they, you know, they may keep Andrew Vaughn. They may keep Dylan Cease. Um, and, you know, Tim Anderson's kind of a question. We'll see uh, <clears throat> what happens as far as that goes. But uh, they're going to have to strip this thing down and completely rebuild. I think they thought they were doing that when they made the trade for Yohan Moncada a few years ago and then with Robert or whatever, they thought they had uh, the talent to really make a run and it just has not been meant to be uh, with this group of guys. So time to reconfigure in Chicago. Uh, there may be a long road back. And then Kansas City at the bottom of this division, hey, they hit that hot run, but they're, uh, they're still only a few games ahead of the, <laughs> of the A's right now. So, uh, Kansas City kind of sliding back to, you know, where, you know, last place in this division and, and not really uh, that relevant. But, you know, growth from Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, has a real legit shot to be a 30-30 guy this year. And so they they got a few pieces to sort of build on. But, uh, you know, still a lot of work to do by Kansas City uh, in this division. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. They, they do have some pieces in place, though. So. Uh, you know, we'll see in the future. But, uh, you know, one team out of this division, Minnesota Twins, making the playoffs. It'll just be interesting to see who they match up with because it'll be the third uh, wild card when it comes out. Uh, but at least the Twins will be playing in October, I believe. Unless the West starts beating up on each other. I just need them to beat up on each other. <laughs> that could be the bullet that we dodge because um, it was interesting how I see on the table would be the Twins will have an interesting start. But, Right after that, they get out of the first round. They would go to Seattle, and Seattle is hot. So it's I don't want to see it happen like that. I think it was like the Astros, and the, yeah, that's how it was. It was like the Astros in Seattle, and it's like, well, man, it's it, it's an uphill battle regardless of the situation. Um, okay, so moving right along to the National League, um, I'll start with the NL Central. The Milwaukee Brewers are in first, seventy-two and fifty-seven. 
The Chicago Cubs are 68 and 61, four games back. Cincinnati Reds are 68 and 63, five games back. The Pittsburgh Pirates are 58 and 72, 14 and a half back. And the St. Louis Cardinals are 56 and 74, 16 and a half back. Chicago has made this interesting. And they just got confirmation that Cody wants to come back. So uh, Cody Bellinger has actually made this thing an interesting thing. But uh, Milwaukee is actually trying to hang on to this first seed. Can they make noise in the postseason is what we – well, at least me. I won't put the pressure on them from everybody else. I'll say it for me. Brewers are always a team that respectively do well in the regular season. They get to the postseason and it's a, a first-round knockout. So let's see if they could get in there and do damage. But, Mike, your thoughts on the NL Central at this point in time? Man, Cody Bellinger set himself up for a payday. Uh, a guy that that really uh, struggled over the last couple of years, went to Chicago, and this is uh, far and above what the Cubs hoped that they would get from signing him. Uh, he's been really, really good. Uh, probably would have been traded if they had not gotten hot uh, before the deadline. But the Cubs are right here, and all three of these teams – have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. Uh, I've really been watching this series with Cincinnati and Arizona. Right now, a half game separates them. Arizona got the first two in that series. Cincinnati was able to come back and get one last night. So we'll see if Cincinnati can force the split today. Uh, But this is a very interesting Uh, to me in this division because all three of these teams have gotten there. Milwaukee kind of has gotten some of their pitchers back. Freddie Peralta has been really good. Corbin Burns has been what he is. Uh, They've gotten Brandon Woodruff back uh, recently as well. The question with Milwaukee is still going to be the same thing, TP, because they can pitch, but can they hit enough uh, come playoff time? But anytime you have a starting pitcher uh, that has swing and miss type stuff, and that can get you six, seven good innings, you have a chance. And so Milwaukee does. They did uh, last couple of years. They, they got knocked out by the Braves two seasons ago um, when Milwaukee was favored to win that series. That was the Braves' first-round opponent on their way to, to winning the World Series. Uh, but this Milwaukee team is, is definitely, I, I think out of all three of them, because of their pitching staff, they may have the best chance to make noise in October, but but we will see. Uh, having three teams, though, in this division, when you have really kind of thought, looking at standings over the last couple of years, that it's kind of uh, coastal elites in some ways as far as it seems like most of the wild cards are coming out of the East and the West uh, in both leagues, and that's what happened last season, too, but uh, this year to see all three of these teams in the central relevant and in the postseason discussion. Uh, to me, that's exciting. That's good for baseball. And there's a lot of youth in this division. Uh, looking at the bottom of it real quick, uh, St. Louis definitely has been extremely disappointing. And for some reason, man, I don't know what it is this season. I don't know if it's like karma finally catching up with them or whatever, but they cannot handle Pittsburgh this year even if Pittsburgh like comes into a series with the Cardinals on a losing streak uh, they just find a way to bounce back up and just you know dump the Cardinals every time they see in the season uh, so and there's a lot of young talent in Pittsburgh they drafted schemes from LSU with number one this year 
the ace pitcher who's pitched well. He's already been demote, uh, promoted to double A. Uh, so we'll see. There's talk that he could be in the show next season. Uh, but there's a lot of young talent in Pittsburgh. Uh, and St. Louis has just got – they got a lot of uh, tough questions to answer in the offseason. Who's going to be part of what they're doing? Uh, and, you know, they got to fix the pitching staff. There's there's a lot of questions uh, that the St. Louis Cardinals have to face. And in a lot of ways, this Cardinals organization has been uh, a model organization in the sport. Um, you know, they consistently, year in and year out, in the postseason discussion. Uh, but so I, I did not see a fall like this for the St. Louis Cardinals this season. Uh, that would have been probably one of my absolute last of teams that could be in last place in their division. So they, they definitely have some things to figure out in St. Louis. Uh, you know, Chandler, my co-host on Thursday nights uh, for Roundtable Gumbo, shameless plug, 9 p.m. Eastern time, has said Oliver Momo needs to be fired repeatedly throughout this season. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, of questions to be answered in the Gateway City. Uh, but three teams in the playoffs discussion, man. It's exciting and good for the game. Okay, moving right along, we'll go to the NL West. The NL West is getting pretty interesting. The Dodgers are 79-49, leading the division. The Diamondbacks are fought back to get to second place. They are 68-62, 12 games back. The Giants are 66-63. Let go of that lead. They're a game and a half back behind uh, Arizona. They're 13 and a half back altogether. The Padres are 61-69, 19 games back. The Rockies are 48 and 81, 31 and a half games back. Uh, my big question is, is um, I don't think the Padres will make it to 500 by the end of the season. From here to now, they're eight games back. I don't think they will end up being, what would it be, 81 and 81. I don't think they can do it. I think they will finish this season under 500. With all of those pieces there, that's incredible that they're playing this type of baseball this type of late. And, uh, they were actually looking like they were turning the corner, but um, I really feel like this team will break up. Like at least some of the pieces will be leaving San Diego. I don't know if they run this back and try to make it happen next year and get the same output. It was, it's too it's too star loaded for them to be this questionable. I don't want to say I could say bad if I want to. I I can, but I feel like karma will come and get me. But you know, just questionable at this point in time for them to be sitting fourth in the division and having just as much talent as the Dodgers. They have just as much talent as the Dodgers. The Dodgers have better pitching than them. But still, yeah, the, the players should be able to outmuscle some of these games, and they can't. Um, so I think they will struggle to make it to 500. This is a, a, a season for naught, kind of like the same way I'm looking at how the Kansas City Royals season went. They had a bad start, then they started putting it together as of late, and they looked like they could be somebody to reckon with down the line. Uh, this is the same situation that's happening with the Padres if they do end up bringing these guys back. Um, the Diamondbacks, I, I can't really figure them out. Um, they'll lose a, a handful of games and win some interesting games. But now that they fought their way to be back in second place, I know there's no way any of these guys are catching the Dodgers. The Dodgers will outright win this division. Uh, they could start putting and printing their shirts and hats and saying NL West camps again type stuff. They can do that all day long. But, um, it has become interesting at least two through four or two through three. Let me just say that because the Padres are out of there. But, two, you know, two and three has become interesting to see what the Giants and the Diamondbacks end up doing. Mike, your thoughts on the NL West? So I'll start with Colorado. This is an organization that I just don't see what they're trying to do 
I, I, you know, you, you think with some organizations you get this guy and this guy up or these guys are almost there. I'm impressed with Nolan Jones at first base. I'm also impressed with what we've gotten from Ezekiel Tovar this year, a 21-year-old kid who struggled early but has really settled in and uh, become a guy that looks like he could be in the middle of the diamond for this team and a franchise shortstop for a long time. Uh, but after that, I don't really see a whole lot to write home about uh, in Colorado. They had a good week this week whooping up on the White Sox, but, you know, that's not really a whole lot to write home about either. Uh, the Padres, man, they've gotten it close. They've gotten within two games of 500 a couple of times when we've sat here on Sunday mornings and gone over this. Uh, but now back to eight under. This is a team that, you know, like Chicago, they were playing really well going into the deadline, so they decided to hold tight instead of sell. It's worked out for the Cubs. It has not for the Padres. Uh, they probably should have went ahead and traded Blake Snell and Josh Hader to see what they could have gotten back from them. Uh, there's definitely some questions to be answered, and to me, uh, a lot of this, a lot of this lands in the lap of AJ Preller, the general manager, as many prospects as he's traded over the years to try to acquire talent, and it also falls in the in the lap of Bob Melvin. Once again, Chandler said that Bob Melvin has failed to close a deal with any team he's ever uh, managed. So, uh, this Padres team is definitely one of the more disappointing teams in, in baseball. They're sitting right there uh, with the Mets as far as high payroll, high expectations, and low results. Uh, as far as the top of this division, the Giants, Diamondbacks, both within a game and a half of each other. It, it's crazy to think that the Dodgers sat in second and third place for you know the first good half of the season, and then now they've just like boat raced everybody. Uh, but the Giants, man, like they, they've got some good pitching, but that offense has been very underwhelming lately. They've slid to like 20th in the league in offensive production. Um, so it's hard to get into the playoffs uh, when you can't produce offensively. So uh, we'll see if they can turn things around. They, I mean, they're right there with the Diamondbacks. Uh, D-backs is a fairly good week, as I said, have taken two out of three so far from Cincinnati. So both of these teams, though, uh, definitely have a chance to be in the postseason. Uh, I agree with you. The biggest question with the Dodgers is can they catch Atlanta for the number one seed? And then we're going to go there next. But to me, that's the only race that the Dodgers and Braves are involved in is the race for number one. Uh, and they're both going to get, uh, you know, those first-round buys. They're just far away and ahead of everybody uh, in the league. But the Giants got to get it together a little bit offensively. The Diamondbacks have to get it together a little bit on the mound. Uh, but it looks like that Corbin Carroll has kind of fought out of his slump and is doing some good things at the top of that order. Um, so uh, these guys, you know, I talk about the American League West race. The interesting thing to watch here is the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, and the Reds, and then we're going to get to the Marlins, but those five teams basically are competing for two playoff spots because I feel like the Phillies are going to get that first wild card. And so that that to me is the interesting thing as we 
get into this last month of the season is keeping an eye on those teams because unlike the American League, you've got a few more teams all kind of bunched right in there contending for those last couple of wild card spots. And so that's what's going to be fun to watch in the National League. This is now interesting because I just looked at it across the board. The Cubs are in this race, too. So they can actually push to get to the postseason as well, too. Cincinnati, too, they're not that far out. This is very interesting in the National League. Uh, other than the top powers in each of the divisions, Philly has a shot to hold on to that first wild card, but everybody's there to, like, fight for that spot. So it's not there either uh, just for, uh, you know, Philly to get this held down. But let's go to the NL East being led by Atlanta. Atlanta's 84 and 44 at this point in time. The Phillies are 71 and 58, 13 and a half back. The Marlins are 65 and 65 at 500, 20 games back. The Washington Nationals are 61 and 69, 24 games back. And in last place in the NL East are the New York Metropolitans, 59 and 71, 26 games back. Both New York teams are in last place in their division. New York will be shut down as soon as the month of October starts. This is very sad to see right now, especially the way that the Mets fell out of competition and lost all of these pieces. Uh, if you guys don't want Pete Alonso, I'll take him. You can send him right to Minnesota. I, I need him. I need, I need a big bat. Send me him. But other than that, across the board, this has become interesting. I think Atlanta does hang on to the division lead. I don't think anybody catches them. Interesting enough, Mike did say that the race between the Dodgers and Atlanta has gotten interesting. They're five games back. So I don't know if the Dodgers can catch Atlanta. Atlanta did too much damage earlier in the season for them to be caught unless the Dodgers stay completely hot um, and start nailing people to the cross at that. But um, I don't know what to expect out of the Phillies. The Phillies are so inconsistent. Uh, They are 6-4 out of their last, and they are on a two-game winning streak to give them credit for what they've done. It's sad for what the Marlins are up to right now, the way they started the season and actually played well for the first two to three months, and now these guys have come back to earth for real. Luis Arreyes, I will never forget you as long as I live. As long as God put air in my lungs and blood in my heart and I'm breathing, I will never forget what you did to this sport of baseball, and they sent you to Miami, and hopefully that you guys turn into something in the future, but you didn't deserve that at all, man. That's personal for me. I, I could care less. Or, or how people look at that situation. It, it, that guy's a great player to be so and, and just won a bad title. I don't I don't wow, scratching my head. Um but nevertheless for the the Nationals to actually have caught the Mets that that speaks volumes. Like the Nationals were actually playing some of the worst baseball right now and actually picked it up and actually are eight and two out of their last ten three game winning streak. They actually gave the, the Yankees all they can handle too, uh recently as well. But to, to me, I feel like the Nets don't care anymore. Like, this season is lost. I, I wonder who stays or who goes. They already lost enough pieces as it is uh, moving forward. But, Mike, your thoughts on the NL East? You know, Mets are playing good ball coming into Atlanta this week. When they beat Atlanta in the first game of that series, I think that was 7 out of 9. But they won very much too little too late. But then the Braves won the next two and closed out the series with a shutout to end the series. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because you mentioned this, TP. The San Diego Padres traded for Juan Soto last year and Josh Bell, and they gave a boatload of prospects to 
the Nationals. And then you look up on August 27th, a year and 28 days later, and the Nationals, with all their prospects, have the same exact record as the Padres, who thought they were ready to contend for the postseason. And they made the postseason last year, and they beat the Dodgers in the postseason, who the Dodgers have been beating up on them in the regular season for years. They beat the Dodgers in the postseason, so they had something to feel good about going into the league championship series against the Phillies. Uh, They lost that. They thought they were ready to take another step this year, and they didn't. But now the Nationals have the same record as them. We talked about this over the last few weeks. Could the Nationals catch the Mets? And now they have. Uh, This Nationals team, a lot of young guys, I've been saying all year, getting some on-the-job training uh, and, you know, trying to prepare for the future. This is a young team who has a lot of good pieces, and then over the next few years, I expect them to probably try to dabble in free agency and other things to try to improve that roster once they feel like they got a good handle of which one of these kids can play where and be part of what they're trying to do uh, moving forward. So looking at this uh, division, I think the the Phillies are in pretty good shape for that wild card and I think should at least get one of them, uh, barring a slide. But like you said, I think the Marlins could still be there with all that pitching, but they're going to have to get hot and hope for uh, a streak. But I still think Marlins plus two teams in the Central – and two teams in the West, you basically have those five playing for two spots. And if you want to count the Phillies and play six for three spots, you can do that too. Um, but uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking at Atlanta, man, 40 games over 500. Uh, I think they're 60-some-odd home runs away right now, TP. I'm trying to catch your uh, Twins record from uh, 2019. This team's 40, 40 games over 500. They've hit a couple lulls during the season, but they've done a good job bouncing back from them. You know, they're on a, a three-city road trip right now. They've won the first two in San Francisco, and then they go to Colorado. And then if the Dodgers are going to catch them, it's going to come – they're going to have to do a lot of damage next weekend. The Dodgers did beat them in Atlanta two out of three earlier in the season. I think they play four in L.A. next weekend. Um, so – you know, the Dodgers would have to come out of that winning three out of four to make up two games or, you know, especially if somehow the Dodgers could find a way to sweep that series. Uh, and then that might make the race really, really interesting. But the Braves and Dodgers do get a series together next weekend. So uh, that'll be fun to see. Could be a preview of the National League Championship Series. But, of course, as we learned last year, it doesn't always make a difference to be in one of those top two spots. So um, just something to look forward to as college football is opening next weekend, Braves-Dodgers next weekend in L.A. at Chavez Ravine. Um, that could be a lot of fun to watch. But, man, the Braves are just uh, – that offense is just really good. Acuna doing what he's done. Ozzy Albies went down, and so Michael Harris slid into the number two spot in between Acuna and Riley. And, uh, listen, Michael Harris has hit something like 330 or something since June 7th. Uh, he's going to probably finish over 300. And it's pretty remarkable after such a slow start uh, to his season. Austin Riley just hit his 30th home run yesterday, so now he's got three seasons uh, stacked up consecutively of 30-plus home runs. Uh, and then, listen, as bad as um, as bad as Marcelo Zuna was, 
the first part of the season, uh, he's been able to bounce back and you know, now right around right up around thirty home runs and really starting to rake for this team. Huge winning streak and then Eddie Rosario has been really hot for them too. Eddie's got twenty one hits in his last fifty at bats or something. Uh so right at four hundred in his last fifty at bats. Another guy who spent a considerable amount of time um in Minnesota. So just looking up and down this lineup, they've even gotten production from uh Nicky Lopez who had been in Kansas City, uh, him and Vaughn Grissom are kind of filling in for Ozzy Orlando. Arcia hit another home run last night to tie his career high. Uh, so, and then they're they're getting a lot of production from the catching position uh, with with Sean Murphy and Travis Darnell. And I still haven't mentioned the guy who's leading the league in home runs and RBIs in Matt Olson. So uh, now you got Max Fried back. Uh, he pitched pretty well yesterday: six innings, eight strikeouts, two runs. Uh, so he's been the ace of this team for the last few years, and he looks to kind of be piecing it back together. And he should have a strong arm in October if he can avoid any kind of soreness or whatever because he missed three months of the season. So he's only had five starts since he's come back. You get about five or six more uh, before you go to the postseason. He should have a pretty fresh arm. Uh, Kyle Wright, 20-game winner last year for them, made a rehab start this week and looked pretty good. So he's going to continue on his progression. Um, and then you still got Strider and other guys in this rotation. So uh, this Braves team, best team in baseball right now, and I think have a very good chance to finish the regular season is the best team in baseball. But as we've seen in many sports, TP, that doesn't necessarily make a difference once you get to October. Uh, but, you know, uh, there are a lot of other teams that would like to, to be in the position that the Atlanta Braves are in right now. So uh, can't really complain. Good lineup. Overall, good balance and a team that has has been really, really good all season long and will at least have a chance in October. They are definitely one of the stories of the league this year. The interesting thing about this is what you just said, where they cut the 2019 Twins home run record. Just to think that they are 60-some out of where you said and there's a month left, that means they have to average like two home runs a game or somewhere near that. And they can do it. They do have the offense to do it. But just to think about how big and bad my, uh, Minnesota had been hitting the ball that year for them. To, and, and the crazy part about that, they were racing with the Yankees. The Yankees were at 306. The Yankees had a, a home run left them. Like, they really put the pressure to the Twins. So it was like a, a race at the end of the season to see who would be the, the all-time overall home run leader. So um, Atlanta definitely has their work cut out for them to at least eclipse that. But um, – with, for sure, they're the overall number one seed, I think, in the NL. Uh, I mean, the Dodgers have made it interesting. I don't think they could catch them. Um, but across the board in the NL East, it, I, I just don't see the one word I use for the Twins. The same thing I'm using for the Phillies. I don't see the consistency. They're so rocky, it, it, it could fall apart at any given moment. Bryce Harper has to stay healthy for them as well. Uh, Lorenzen has definitely been, been a splash since they've gotten him. But, um in and hang on to that spot because everybody's right behind them. If they lose like a, a a series, two games, like they won one, it's like some interesting things can happen. So that's the one thing that I am looking forward to with everybody chasing that wild card. From all the division leaders, it's inter- interesting enough, I, I think the, the the tightest one would be the Brewers and however the Cubs or Reds breaks this down and try to catch them. 
But other than that, everybody for those wild card spots, this is the lottery. I, I don't I don't know how it fizzles out in the National League, but it's going to be very interesting because all of these teams have fight left in them. Hell, just like I said, I had to look at this different. It was like, wait, the Cubs are in this. Like, the Cubs can actually make the playoffs after having the questionable start and having so many different injuries and, and bringing Cody in and seeing if they were going to trade him. Now he's all, all aboard, and if the Cubs get rocking, it's like, wow, what, what's going on? So um, this has definitely become one of those stories that you can't overlook. The National League has definitely been somewhat impressive at this point in time, but consistency at least is, it, it relies on that Philly situation, especially the year that they had last year to go into this season and still be somewhat rocky. That, that's what I do want to say. I'll say rocky, <laughs> pun intended, Philadelphia Wow. Okay, so um, this gets interesting. Mike, we are now at the final cut down. We're, we're what? 48 hours away till we start seeing our full rosters across the board in the NFL. Um, a lot of teams have played their last couple of games. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on week three of the preseason, teams cutting down, so on and so forth. I was very unimpressed with the Rams yesterday. What a, a clunker getting completely shut out. Uh, by Denver, or not even any starters. Uh, this Rams team uh, does not look good to me. Uh, but you know, we you, you mentioned the Trey Lance move. We saw a couple moves around the league this week. Josh Jacobs is has come back. Uh, you know, we still got to see uh, how this Jonathan Taylor story ends. Uh, that's still something the Bears watching as we start getting ready for drafts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, or as you know, a lot of people have already drafted, but you know, to me, the interesting thing always is, you know, there's there's a lot of people out of jobs, and then you're going to see, you know, all of these teams scour the waiver wire to see if somebody was dropped that can really help them. So your team's got to announce 53 as of Tuesday, but don't be surprised if maybe an, uh, another player. Uh, dropped around the league as somebody that your team finds appealing. And so uh, they go get him. And so that roster still changes a little bit Wednesday, Thursday, you know, as we go throughout the balance of the week, my team plays the last preseason game um, in the NFL today uh, on Fox this evening uh, against the Texans. So I'm just kind of, Kind of looking around, looks like that, you know, Baker Mayfield has, you know, gotten the gig in Tampa. He played pretty well uh, last night. Bryce Young has been named the starting quarterback in Carolina. We'll see what happens when C.J. Stroud plays today. If he gets that job or if they end up going back to uh, Davis Mills. But, you know, that there's a it, – it's crazy to think how many people – you're talking about 37 guys roughly on, on each roster looking around the league and you got 32 teams in this league. So uh, that's a lot of guys uh, that are going to be uh, out of jobs or that are going to be facing disappointment uh, over the course of the next, over the next few days when, you know, 37 times 32, I mean, you're talking over, a thousand, a thousand men having to kind of uh, pick up pieces and figure out where things are going or what they're going to do next. So 
uh, listen, I, I hope that, you know, I, I wish health on all these guys and for these guys that get cut, like, I hope you either find a job somewhere else or, you know, uh, I wish you all the best moving forward because, like I said, it's going to be a lot of disappointing guys uh, in the next 48 hours, a lot of guys getting bad news and trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do now? Um but, like, for my team, I'm looking to see can Jimmy Graham make the roster and what happens at receiver and what happens at linebacker and which defensive backs do they keep. I feel like the rest of it is pretty clear. I know you've been kind of looking at your roster, thinking, looking at what guys are going to be cut. But there's always one or two guys, TP, that end up not surviving the cuts. Like I said, that end up becoming very, very productive somewhere else. So, uh I'll be interested to see as these uh, cuts take place, what name surface it could really be uh, useful pieces for other rosters. That'll be something really interesting to watch over the next, oh, 72 hours or so. That is for sure. Uh, at the edge of my seat to see, you know, at least the team that I follow the most, Detroit, and how they got so many different situations popping up, especially at the receiver position while Jamison Williams is going to be out for the first six games. Is it going to be Dylan Drummond? Is it going to be Antoine Green? Because this guy just had a 70-yard home run pass for a touchdown uh, up against Carolina, and I think this might have made a big case for him to get that one. And Chase Cota is another fan favorite. It's almost like he's Tom Kennedy all over again. Um, And this guy's getting catches. He's also doing things on special teams, and a lot of people say – to make a team at your position, you also got to be effective on special teams. This guy had like an over 25-yard return in the punt game. So it's like um, I'm up in arms on what they're going to do at this, you know, the fifth, sixth, if they hang on the seven receivers. It's going to be very tough. Um, I'm getting news before this show started that they will be cutting Sudfeld. Um, the way that he's played, horrible. And um, now that they got Teddy Bridgewater and Teddy actually looked good against Carolina, I think that solidified his spot and definitely keeps this door open for Hendon Hooker when he gets healthy. We're just saying he's doing phenomenal uh, on the rehab situation, but they want to keep him there. I did not want to see Adrian Martinez go. Um, Hopefully he makes the practice squad as a quarterback. But um, for Nate Suffield to be a part of the system, sitting behind Jared Goff and really don't have a care in the world. This is why he's been bumped around the league and can't really find a consistent home, at least as a backup. And he has the stature of a real quarterback at the end of the day. He's 6'6", 230. Like, he has the size of a quarterback, but it's, I guess it's the mentality at the end of the day. And um, if he if he ends up losing his job, I feel bad for him because it's like, what team picks him up? Even though there will be a need for him somewhere across the board, but um, he's going to have to regroup as best as possible. Um this is where the Oquara brothers, I think, end up breaking up. Uh, Julian may be the one that's out. Romeo is the one that they like the best. Um, they got so many good edge rushers. It's like Detroit actually now has a good problem. <laughs> that's the bad part, that defensively we, we need a defense like crazy. We need all the defense we can get now. The defense is picking up. Now they got so many different pieces. It's like now we got to get rid of some of y'all. It's like, no, <laughs> please don't get rid of these guys, man, because they all are effective and, and – uh, Julian's actually been getting sacks and stuff too, so it's like they all are coming around at the best time as, as best as possible too. Um, and the secondary is another issue too. Um, Chase Lucas made a case for himself; he got a pick in the game. Um, 
Gilmore's little brother is on the, the Lions now. He got a, a pick six. Um, so they, they got their hands full of picking up corners as well. This is, this is you know, all out of the mitten for me. Um, I really can't wait to see how this pans out. Uh, the crazy part is, what, it's the 27th. I'm 11 days away. <laughs> I am 11 days away from week one for me. The rest of you guys have, what, 14? You got two weeks. Oh, man, oh, man, I'm, like, too nervous for this Kansas City game, man. The more and more I get close to this game, the more nervous I get, the more and more I'm hearing everybody be like, relax, you guys got this. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Just let us play. I don't want to hear anybody tell me, try to tell me this story. We got to go out there and play this game as best as possible. Um, everybody in their mother is interviewing Dan Campbell. It's like, why everybody want to leave that guy alone? Like, like now before it was like, I don't want to hear him talk now. I want to hear him talk now. It's like, yo, stop bothering him. Let him focus on what he got to do. Incredible energy across the league to say the most. Um, but just just like it was mentioned, man, a lot of these people are going to be without jobs. So cross your fingers, pray together. <laughs> That's the only way I can look at this at this point in time, man. Uh, the bird months are four days away. Just four days away. I really can't wait. So, uh, Mike, that, that's all I really have. Is there anything else that you'd like to touch on before we start to shut this thing down? Uh, no, nah, man. Like, another guy gone too soon. Uh, oh, and, and that picture for the Angels, man, Chase the Silver, whatever his name is, like, shout out to him. I hope he's okay. Uh, there was an incident last night in a game, in the Angels game, where the guy, the Mets, Lindor, was uh, at second base and I guess had a big lead. And Jeff Neal starts taking off, Jeff McNeil starts taking off for second. And instead of throwing the ball to third, I guess maybe he thought he was going to go back or whatever, the catcher throws the ball to first base. So then Francisco Lindor, who's at second, you know, you can't have two guys on the same base. Francisco Lindor then decides to take off for third. So the first baseman from the Angels has to fire across the diamond to try to get Lindor at third base, and the ball hits the pitcher in the back of the head. So a pitcher goes down, grabs his head, the ball ricochets off his head, goes into the outfield or whatever. Uh, so Lindor goes all the way uh, around third and scores. Jeff McNeil goes to third. Nobody records an out. Pitchers laying uh, in the middle of the field. Trainers come running out to try to uh, rescue him. So I uh, hope he's okay. Also, he had the guy in the Miami-Jacksonville game go down uh, from the Dolphins. They said he was moving his extremities and everything. So uh, a couple injuries. Shout out to those guys. Uh, the other name I mentioned on Thursday night, but just to throw this out one more time too, uh, very young. Uh, even though he's been in the WWE for 10-plus years, but rest in peace to Bray Wyatt. real name was Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, he was the, the son of Mike Rotunda, uh, who had been around for a long time, a varsity club member, and then IRS back in the 90s uh, in the WWE. Uh, funny thing is, some people may remember Barry Wyndham from back in the day. Barry Wyndham and Mike Rotunda together, I guess that's part of why he named his kid Wyndham because they ended up uh, becoming really close friends. Uh, but Barry Wyndham and Mike Rotunda is the answer to the question of what tag team uh, won the World Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania 1 back in 1985. 
so interesting how a lot of this comes full circle. But uh, shout out to the Rotunda family as they deal with the grief of, of that loss. So just to throw that out there as well, just for the record, 37 times 32 is 1,184 uh, people, give or take a few, out of a job come Tuesday. So, uh, listen, uh, shout out to you guys. I hope things work out. Some people land in other places. And for people that still want a future in the sport, hopefully they will they will find uh, – better traction in the future. So uh, that's, that's really all I got, uh, CP, man. I'm, I'm definitely excited, you know, but when you and I get together next Sunday, uh, we will be picking, uh, we'll be laying uh, the ground for what happened on Saturday, going through a full slate of games from Thursday and Saturday. And, uh, you know, speaking on the LSU Florida State game on Sunday night, and then we'll have all of our cuts, so we'll have a, a lot more of that to go over as far as preview for uh, the upcoming games for the following week. So uh, I'm excited, man. It, it'll be our first uh, time of Sunday morning brunch of the Burr months. Uh, so I'm excited for the weeks that we got uh, coming up, man, and I appreciate you always letting me be alongside you on Sunday morning. Okay. Um I don't even know how to look at this because everything's happening this week. September's coming. Uh, my boys, the Hurricanes, come around and play their game. Hopefully they look better than what they did last year. Um, I, I really don't know what to say about Crystal Ball. I thought it was going to be an instant spark. Hopefully they turn this thing around. Um, but college football is back on the horizon. I was watching a couple of games last night. I was watching UMass and New Mexico State. It's like it's just great to see college football back last night. Um, but yeah, there's a Saints game today. We got the wrap up of all of the uh, NFL preseason. Um, 48 hours away from, you know, people walking on eggshells or people are walking on sunshine. There's a difference there. And um, please, people, pay attention to FIBA because it, it's it's heating up, and I am somewhat showing my bias. But um, they're saying the best player in FIBA right now. It's Shea Gilgis Alexander. Oh, my goodness, Shea is going crazy and got the world going crazy of what he's done. Even though Luca put up a 37-point night, Cat went crazy, put up a whole bunch of points one night. Um, the USA team, they're sharing the ball like crazy, but Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards went crazy with a 34-point night. The talk is Canada could upset USA, and Shea is the leader of the team, and it's like, I hope more of this spills off of the FIBA games into the NBA season. And we could, you know, coast out as much as they can with what Shea brings to OKC. That, that's what I'm hoping for because it's wide open, uh, at least for us. I think Denver's still sitting at the top for sure. But um, I think we've beaten them uh, in the regular season. So, hey, our work is cut out for us, man. It, this is all the bird months coming up. All the sports are basically back on the horizon. Um, it, it's feeling kind of Sunday. That is for sure. I'm at the edge of my seat. I'm all here for it. Mike, give me a close out plug anything that you'd like to before we start to shut the doors here at the brunch. Oh, real quick, too. We had the World Championships in track this week. Shakari Richardson, uh, LSU alum, who was real famous for, uh, you know, having been suspended from the Olympics after she won the U.S. trials. Uh, she won the gold. I ran the Jamaican ladies in the 100. She took bronze in the, in the 200. And then uh, the U.S. takes gold in the 4 by 100 relay. And then Noah Lyles from the United States pulled off the, the trifecta. He got gold in the 100 meters and the 200 meters. 
and the U.S. won the 4 by 100 uh, relay there as well. And then uh shout-out also to Armando Duplantis com- uh, competing for uh, – Sweden had, once again, another world title in the pole vault. So uh, shout-out to those guys. World Championship in track, you're going to see a lot of names that will be on that Olympic stage next year. Uh, Notre Dame played good defense against Navy and shut down the rush. We'll see what they can do the rest of the year. And USC, Kayla Williams pretty good last night, but they still gave up 28 points to San Jose State. So uh, still bears watching that defense from USC to see if they've made any improvements. But that being said, man, sportscitychefs.com. Check out the blog website. Uh, check out the website. we got blogs. We're going to have some more finger foods and things coming up. Uh, as you know, the, the mothership of all of them, this time is Sunday morning brunch on Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern time, TP and I. Uh, recapping the weekend and setting the table for you for what's coming up. Like we said, a little bit of all sports right now going on uh, in the world. And then we got shows throughout the week. The time is 9 p.m. Eastern time all these nights, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. NFL front office show on Tuesdays. And this week we are doing our live uh, Sports City Chefs Fantasy Football League draft. Uh, Going to do that on air on Tuesday night. Draft actually starts at 930, but we'll be on air and get that thing kicked off uh, this Tuesday night. So, TP Timeless, me, Villain, Serious, Controversy, even Dave Jets, some other guys who are friends of the show, all drafting live teams on Tuesday night. So uh, tune in if you enjoy that kind of uh, energy and check out what we got going on on Tuesday. Wednesday night, the college cookout uh, with the Villain and TP Timeless. And then a lot of times Sirius and I make appearances as well. And then Thursday night, Roundtable Gumbo. Hoping to have Chandler back this Thursday night. Uh, but Chandler Knight and myself and any of the other chefs that want to stop by and, and get a scoop of sc- spice or add a little bit of spice to the pot on Thursday nights, we got that going for you as well. So check out all of, all of our shows. Uh, like our content. The numbers help us. Subscribe if you really resonate so you don't miss a show uh, that comes out. Remember, you can listen to us on all your smart speaker devices as well. And don't forget about phiapparel.co. Use promo code CHEFS at checkout for 15% off. Really appreciate them sponsoring our content. And uh, last thing before I uh, pass it back to you, TP, man, I always say this, but shout-out, love, and respect to you. Without you, I wouldn't be here. Shout-out to all the other chefs as well. Definitely enjoy being part of this Sports City Chefs family, man. Until next time, laissez-les-bon-temps roulet. Your little bias note, please pay attention to the WNBA. It is heating up. The Las Vegas Asians are going crazy. They just set a record. And, oh, yes, my Connecticut son, they are doing their thing. That's for sure between them and the New York Liberty. This is going to get testy at the end of the road between them and Brianna Stewart. And knowing her history in the state of Connecticut, oh, it's going to get tough. But Connecticut is doing their thing. Hopefully they could bring one back. They keep making it to the finals but they'll lose in the final somehow, some way. They've actually been taking care of business up against a lot of teams. But uh, Booker and Alyssa, all of these girls are out here doing their thing. So pay attention to the WNBA. A.J. Wilson definitely put up 53 points the other day, too. Uh, it, I'm telling you, basketball, football, baseball, everything is here. Uh, the Bird Muffs, bundle up because fall is coming, my favorite season out of any season in the whole year. I, I mean, there's there's spring, there's summer, there's winter. 
But boy, do I love the fall because everything is going down. The fall classic, football, basketball comes back around, hockey, you name it, it's going on. Even golf in certain areas of the world, it, it, I mean, it's going down. So, Sports City, I'm I'm literally getting goosebumps as I'm telling you this. That is for sure. Stay tuned to everything that we got going on throughout the week. That is another thing for sure. And, oh, yes, the fantasy draft will be kicking off. I got to talk my crap to these guys because they really have been talking recklessly in our Sports City chat. That is for real. So I got to take care of business. Heads will be a rolling by the, the guillotine. That is for sure. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, 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 Chefs, Sports City, With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.